Hey everyone, welcome back. You're listening to Chingonas Only Club and I'm so excited to be bringing you guys this episode. This is our third episode. So if you've come this far, I want to just say thank you so much because I've received a ton of positive feedback and I just wanted to let you guys know. So with that, get ready, get comfortable and let's dive in. Today, I wanted to talk a little bit about some of the challenges we face as women in overcoming stereotypes or people's preconceived ideas of what we are or what we should be, also known as biases or internal biases. And I want to just open the floor and see what you guys think about the topic. So after the episode, please reach out to me and let me know what are you, what have your experiences been with this issue with this topic itself i work in a predominantly male dominated field and i have experienced quite a bit of stereotypes and had to deal with a lot of people's biases about me as a woman, about me as a Latina, about me as a Mexican. And I wanted to talk a little bit about that because I know that it's not something that is just that just happens in the military. I think it's something that happens to everyone every single day. But more commonly, it happens to women who work in uh, fields that are predominantly you know, male, where you're outnumbered, like a 10 to 1 ratio or even a 5 to 1 ratio. And that happened to me a lot in my career. And I really wanted to just discuss it because this is a big problem um, that we have in our society today. And to have to deal with this in the workplace can get very, very tricky. So this is why I wanted to hear from other people and what your experiences have been and quite possibly how you've dealt with this issue. Just for other listeners who may be experiencing this for the first time, especially our younger listeners, because I know that when I was coming up in the world and I was younger, I didn't necessarily know how to deal with it. Now I know that this new generation is very different. You have been taught to speak up, to speak out, to recognize your own voice in the conversation and make it known what you're thinking and feeling. And that's not how my generation necessarily was brought up, but it doesn't mean that everybody's like that because some of these, I, I would say, upbringings are also cultural, not necessarily gener tied to a specific generation or age group. They can also be cultural and you may not have been taught this in your home, which is where we learn most of our behavior from. So what I would want to say that one of my first experiences, I think you guys heard it if you listen to the first Chingona parts one and two, uh, in it I discussed an experience that I had where I was slut shamed for clothing that I was wearing by two female teachers. And that experience in its own stuck with me, I mean, my whole life. It's still with me today. And I carry that with me because I remember that feeling anytime people try to slut shame women around me. I get angry all over again. And I try to remind myself that those feelings are felt by every woman who has ever been slut-shamed simply for choosing to wear something that they felt good in. And in my case, that wasn't the situation. Like I wasn't intentionally dressing 
slutty, quote unquote, I, that was all I had. I was poor. I was homeless at the time. And my teachers didn't bother asking anything. So assumptions. So I wanted to really just bring that back and say that was probably my earliest real interaction. Of course, the, the looks, the stares, the gender roles, all of that has been basically since I can remember my whole entire life. But that one was the big one that really just was like, people really are going to assume things about you because you're a woman. And there is sometimes, or more often than not, I would say there's nothing you can do about it except speak up and for yourself, speak up for others and try and educate those around you. But in my experience, I haven't found that people really listen, particularly because in the moment when you speak up for yourself or others, you're upset, you're mad, and you're not necessarily having a conversation more than you're trying to defend yourself. And so it's really hard. I have not mastered controlling my emotions. If someone offends me, it's going to be a quick no, like you're not going to disrespect me. I don't care if your feelings are hurt in the process. It's not going to happen. And so that's growth. It's something I need to work on. But at the same time, eh, I don't really feel like it. (laughs) If someone has perceived preconceived ideas about who I am or what I am just because I'm a woman, I almost want to say at this age, at this stage in my life, like you're a lost cause and I don't need you to be a part of my life. So in a sense, yeah, I could definitely work on my delivery when I voice my opinion. I know that. Those of you who've experienced me upset know that. But at the same time, I don't know, you you say stupid things, play stupid games, you win stupid prizes, and sometimes you're going to get cussed out. It's just the way it works. It's You're not always going to get the understanding me. You might get the angry me, and that's not... I don't think is uncalled for. I think that sometimes it's just how things turn out. So in the military, when I first joined the military back in 2008, I was 21 years old. So very young. I turned 22 in boot camp. Yay me. But I was very young, but I wasn't the youngest because people start joining the military since the age of 17. So in a way, I was actually like older and more mature than all the other children that were going through boot camp with me. And I had just gone through a very traumatic experience. I had been deported for the previous two years prior to joining the military and lived on my own and was very independent, very self-sufficient. And so I was definitely more mature than even the people who were my age. And so I connected with this one girl in boot camp. Her name is Shanti. Shanti, if you're listening, hi. And she became kind of like my battle buddy in boot camp. And it was because we were around the same age. We were both Latina. She was Puerto Rican. Yay, yay, Puerto Rico. And we were both not there for anybody's shit. And also, we were a minority. We were the only Latinas. And we were a co-ed division. So we were mixed with males and females. Now, for me, I had just come back from Mexico. Talk about a rough return home. I didn't even know, like I mentioned, I didn't know how to act 
as a legal citizen, I was still timid and, and at the same time quiet because I didn't want anyone to know anything about me. And Shanti was the exact, exact opposite. She was really free and I loved it because she was just herself. And of course, she, uh, Shanti, she speaks both English and Spanish, but she had an accent. And we experienced in boot camp uh, a lot of looks and stares. I would notice and catch people's comments when those microaggressions that they would say, like, where are you from? Where are you really from? Or is Puerto Rico a part of the U.S.? Or, or they would just assume she was Mexican like me, or they would assume that we knew each other. I was so stupid and ignorant. Um, but these were people's biases and stereotypes. They didn't know, nor did they bother to educate themselves before having a conversation with either one of us. And it used to infuriate me and it used to infuriate her. And on one occasion, she and I almost like we threw hands on the quarter deck, which is the entrance to our living quarters with some guy and another girl because, and I won't say they were white, and they made some comments about they were surprised that her and I could read because they tried to tell us that we were out of our dress code. And we said no. And we pointed to the dress code and showed them where it said that we were not out of regulations. And their response was, well, wow, I'm surprised you can read in English. I don't know what they expected. <laughs> what did they expect to happen when they said that? I don't think that I ever thought that leaving my hood, right, Echo Park, where people come up to you, or they used to come up to you every day, when you're walking down the street and they were like, hey, homegirl, what you write? All these little crews and taggers and gang members and little gangbangers come up to you and try to ask you what you write. And I was always like, oh, I don't write anything. I'm not a gang member. <laughs> Because I wasn't. And I didn't want anybody to beat me up, which did happen once, by the way. I'll tell you guys about that some other time. But I didn't want to get jumped. I wasn't going to start no trash talking with some little chola or little cholos. Like, no. And, but I never experienced someone like really say something so blatantly just racist and stupid and ignorant in my direction. So the minute that it happened, I can't even tell you how quickly I leapt over the table. <laughs> and Shanti, um, she went towards the guy and I went towards the girl and we were ready to throw hands. Her and I were ready to, we were ready to get kicked out of the military at that point. And we were ready to slap some fucking sense into these people who were also sailors, by the way. And they were around our age or maybe a little younger, maybe a little older, but they were around the same age group. The only difference was that they were white. And the guy who said it, he was a man, a boy, whatever. And they had zero expectations of a consequence of the statements that they were making because the other girl was like egging them on the other the other caucasian female that was standing there she was like egging this dude on like yeah and she was calling us loud which i mean i mean we are loud but there's no rule against being loud like i'm being professional i can speak loud i do sometimes i don't i mean if you have known me personally or work with me i you can hear me laughing like <laughs> all the way down the hallway when I'm really just letting it out. Like, And 
yeah, we were loud, but we were not disrespectful. And what really irritated me was that what they said wasn't because they were just stupid. They were because they were just ignorant. What they said was a response to feeling stupid because they were corrected. Okay. And, and that response, the fact that they felt that that response was not only appropriate, but warranted was what was infuriating of the whole situation. Luckily for them, I'll say, luckily for them, there was other sailors around and they grabbed Shanti and I, we were, you know, leaping across tables, trying to punch these people in the face. They grabbed us and they had to restrain us a little bit and pull us back. And I blacked out because I know I was saying every curse word in the dictionary. And at one point, Shanti started to speak Spanish and cuss at them in Spanish. And so did I. And I can't even begin to tell you what happened. But when we got called in front of our what's called the master chief to explain why we had behaved in such a poor manner because we're in the military, right guys, we got to be professional. We represent our country's finest. And here we are throwing hands. Like we're back in the hood. (laughs) Rightfully so. I don't care what anybody tells me. Like that's offensive. And we explained, I told a CMC, I couldn't even, I couldn't, even get the words out without crying and I fucking hate this about myself I cry when I'm pissed I was so mad I was crying before the man even talked to me my hands were shaking and he asked me why did I react the way that I did now he knew that what was said was offensive but he wanted me to tell him in front of this guy who had said what he said, I think more for him than anything, he wanted me to say it out loud. And I, through my teeth, said, I was just fucking deported. I just got back into this country a month ago because well, it was like a little, like two, three months. I was being dramatic, but it's still not that long ago that I just overcome this massive trauma and been called all sorts of names my entire life because of my legal status and worked so hard to speak the language, to be super bright and super smart and be someone who was going to be educated and be someone who's going to be respected. And this fucking guy just assumed or didn't assume he knew I could speak fucking English. I mean, come on. He just decided to make this comment in an attempt to get the reaction, the exact reaction that he got, because he wanted to prove that we were just fucking loud Latinas. And it upsets me to this day that he achieved that. But at the same time, okay, you want the loud Latina? You want the crazy girl from Echo Park? Like she's still there. And it came out and, or she came out, not it. To me, like when I said that, the CM, the master chief, which we call CMC, the master chief looked at me and he just said, oh shit. Because he knew at that point that there was nothing, nothing that anybody in that room could tell me to make the situation okay. 
at that point, we had a real case of no shit discrimination. And I don't know if you know this, but in the military, discrimination is a really big problem. So he was either going to deal with all of the administrative paperwork, deal with an equal opportunity case and complaint and do this, or he was just going to let me go because, I mean, we were putting hands on people like we could have gotten in serious trouble, but he wasn't going to get us in trouble without addressing the discrimination issue, which is a much bigger problem, believe it or not. So he just looked at me and he said, do you understand that you're not supposed to put your hands on anybody? And I said, yeah. And then he looked at Shanti and was like, do you understand you're not supposed to put your hands on anybody? And she was crying too. <laughs> she was like, yeah. And he looked at that guy and he's like, what is the matter with you? And the guy looked at the master chief and he said, I've never been around non-white people in my life like ever. So I don't know, I guess I thought that was okay to say. I didn't realize how offensive it was. Now, I don't know if this is true or not. I never took the time to get to know this fucking guy because why would I? Um, but I have come to find that in the 14 years I've been in the military, there are people who have never been around non-white people in their lives. And there are men who were raised in misogynistic households and sexist households, and that is all they know. And that's not to say that it's okay and what they do and what they say and how they act or how they behave is okay. But I have to think now as I'm doing the, the podcast and just as an adult and as I want to just make sure that I'm constantly and continuously mentoring people who I come across and work with because that's my job in the Navy as a chief is to mentor junior sailors, I have to think more about the issues than my own feelings because I still want to slap somebody when they say stupid shit like that, but I can't. I have to think how can I educate this person? How can I teach them? How can I reach them? How can I, this is my job. Now it is exhausting because as a minority, you want to say it is not your job to educate other people on what is right or appropriate and what is offensive and what isn't. That's not your job. But if you want to make the world a better place, you really, really have to take that on and I do think that to some extent, we, ha we are responsible for it. And they are responsible too. We're not alone in this. I'm not saying that this is our, our burden to carry. But these stereotypes sometimes are a product of our environment. Not always. Sometimes it's choice. But sometimes they're a product of our environment. And I can't tell you how many people I've encountered in my career whom I've sat down and spoke with and thought I will never get along with this person because they are so clearly so out of touch <laughs> with what's appropriate with around women or around minorities. And it takes a simple conversation sometimes, a simple conversation of, hey, I don't fucking like what you just said. I don't appreciate it. And yes, I say it like that often, but I leave it open for a conversation. I say, I don't like it. It's offensive and not just to me, but to women, or it's offensive, not just to me, but to all Latinos, or you can't say that word because it's this, this, and that. I know that people say it often, but it's not okay. I personally don't like it or whatever the case might be. 
it's taken me a very long time to get to that, right? From the girl who left across the table trying to slap a dude to this, it's a very, it's a huge amount of growth. Now, Shanti, if you're listening, I would like to know how you handle these situations now. <laughs> but for me, I Shanti's not in the military anymore. She she has a beautiful family in San Diego. I I I stayed here and I've been in for 14 years. And yeah, you can say that I've conformed to military values. I've had to. Right? This is my livelihood. But at the same time, I'm still here to educate people. So that's one of the one of the ways that I've experienced stereotypes. But that was more related to being a Latina. Now, I will say as a woman who is also Latina, because you can be a Latino male and you have your own stereotypes. And I know whatever comes to mind first, hey, guess what? You have an internal bias, whether you knew it or not. For me... That happened after boot camp in my first duty station. And I know that people can can relate to this, whether you're in the military or not, because it's not, it's something that happens to us in the workplace all the fucking time in school, wherever it is. So it was almost like slut shaming, but not the same. It was a very, very professional way of slut slut shaming me. So I was at my first command and didn't have a car my first I would say three years in the Navy, I didn't have a car. So I used to live on the ship. And then when I was able to move into a room in what we call in our living quarters, which we call barracks, I used to live in the barracks for free. And I used to walk from the barracks to the ship. I think it was about a two, three mile walk every single morning to get to work. I used to walk. Okay. And we had to be at work by six. 6 30 in the morning so I would start walking I got five just so that I could take my sweet time get into work you know not rush because you can't be late it's not like you're it's not like you're like civilian jobs guys where you guys can be late and you're like oh I hit traffic they don't care <laughs> especially when you're a very new sailor which at the time like I said I had less than a year in the navy and yeah I was a baby and one of my friends whom I met in boot camp, by the way, and the only reason I met him is because he heard that some Mexican and some Puerto Rican girl were about to slap the shit about of some dude who was being racist. He was Mexican. He didn't like what he heard. And he came and found me and we became besties. Edson, if you're listening, I'm talking about you. So he was my friend and he had a car and we were stationed on the same ship and we were both electricians. I was an engineer when I first joined the Navy, and we worked in the same division. So, like, we literally were going to the same exact place, and he used to, once he got his car, because he didn't have a car the entire time, when he saved up enough money, he bought himself a car, he used to pick me up, not just me, there was another sailor who was our friend, and he would get picked up as well, he would pick us both up, and he would give us a ride to the ship every single morning so that we wouldn't have to walk. Well, female, lieutenant, to be an officer, you have to have a degree, you don't have to have a degree uh, if you want to be enlisted like me. So this woman, who was brand new to the Navy as well, probably younger than me. I think she was 20 and I was 22. And But because she had a degree, she was higher ranking than me. And so, and so she was a white woman and was also in the same engineering department that I was in. 
she pulls me aside one day and she's like, can I talk to you for a second? Fireman Oliveris, which used to be my name, my maiden name. And I was like, oh yeah, I immediately started sweating because this woman had never spoken to me. She's an officer and I'm a very junior enlisted sailor. And what the heck did she want to talk to me about? So I thought I did something stupid because I'm, I'm very new. I was barely even learning how to wear my uniform. So I thought I was, you know, in trouble. But she pulls me outside and she didn't just take me outside like in the hallway. She took me out of the building, down the stairs. And there was a picnic table outside of the main building, which where we were at that time because our ship was getting uh, work done. So we were in this building working from there. She pulls me out of there and she said, hey, I noticed that you have been coming in to work every day with Garcia, who was my friend. And I noticed that when you leave, that he waits for you and you guys leave together. And I was like, yeah, he's my friend. And he gives me a ride to the barracks every day. And she's like, well, does he live in the same barracks? Well, he lives in the same barracks, but in a different building because there's a lot of sailors in San Diego, y'all. These buildings, I mean, thousands of sailors live there. So there's, it's like the projects, okay? <laughs> I'm being honest. It's like the projects. There's a ton of buildings he lived in a different building, but yes, he lived in the barracks. And I said, yeah, he, he lives in the barracks too. And he got a car. And so he gives me, and I made it a point to say, he doesn't just give me a ride. He gives our other friend a ride. Who's also in the same division. He gives them rides. And, and we're the only ones that need rides because everybody else, they have other friends who give them rides. She said, yeah, but I noticed that you also eat lunch with him and that you are always together. And I was like, yeah, I'm always with him because, well, he's the only other Mexican person. And not to mention, we're in the exact same division with the same schedule. So we eat at the same time and we're both junior. We're both newbies. So, of course, you're going to gravitate to your peers that's what he was. He was my peer. He was a really good friend. Like he met my mom, my brothers, because he missed home. He was from Texas. He missed home. Um, and I had a boyfriend at the time who is now my husband, by the way. So I was, I, I was confused. I wasn't sure where this conversation was heading. So I was like, okay, so what's the problem? Or did I do something wrong? And she said, well, no, She's like, I just wanted to bring it to your attention that perceptions can be really bad for you and for your career. And I was like, well, what what perceptions are you talking about? She's like, well, you know that you might have a relationship with this person. And I was like, well, there was another female. Uh, she was Chinese and she only hung out with three other males, three of them. All four of them were married, but she only hung out with those three males because they were Chinese. And she used to ride with them everywhere. They used to eat together. They would speak in Chinese anytime that they were with each other. Nobody knew what they were saying. So for me to gravitate towards my Mexican friend and we would talk in English and eat together, to me, it was the same thing. You're gravitating towards someone who reminds you of home. 
right? Someone who you connected with. And it's very important. When you're a very, very young sailor in the Navy on a ship, it is very important that you connect with your peers because you can get depressed so freaking fast. And I don't have to tell you guys the suicide rates in the military, but it's a real problem. So for me, that was how I dealt with, you know, my depression of being in the military, of leaving home right after I had just came back from being deported. I mean, that was how I dealt with it. And it was by connecting with him and other people. He wasn't the only one and making friends. And so I I said, hey, she does the same thing. And she's hanging out with three dudes. And they're all married. I'm not even married. So I don't understand why you're talking to me. Did you talk to her? And her response, and I will never forget it. I will never forget it because I had never been categorized like this. Like I knew, I I knew the feeling of being a woman. And so she looks at me and she says, yeah, but you know, she's Chinese and they're more conservative. And you're Latina, and you guys are a lot more promiscuous. And she said that. She said those freaking words to me. And I was in such shock, and I was only 22 years old at the time. And you have to remember that I was afraid, right? Because I had just been allowed back into this country, (laughs) I was like, bitch, I'm about to get deported over slapping this officer. (laughs) And I was so stupid, but I was terrified of saying anything that would upset anybody. And I just looked at her and I was like, okay. And then she said, okay, great. If you need anything, please let me know. I'm here for you. And it was sad because she was one of three females in the entire division of like 200 men of of females that were more senior than me I think females that were my peers there was probably four of us in like a in the entire division so think about those numbers like there was never a time where I was where I wasn't the only female in the room I think in my division we had three in our division was 40 40 something people so She said that to me. Fun fact, she actually got kicked out of the Navy within, I think, about a year, a year after that incident happened. And so it's ironic, right, that someone felt that they could say something like that to me when their behavior was so far on the exact opposite spectrum of what they expected out of me. But that stereotype of Latinas being more promiscuous, um... That was the first time I ever felt compared. And I was so angry at the other girl, the, the, the girl who was Chinese. She didn't do anything. But I was so pissed because she got to do whatever she wanted. And I didn't. I had to be careful with how people perceived me. I couldn't, I couldn't talk. I stopped talking to my friend for a couple of months. And then he was like, you're stupid. I'm picking you up. <laughs> Like, this is dumb. And I went into a really deep depression. Um, Like, it was really bad. And I didn't know. 
I didn't want to talk to anybody on the ship. I was always very quiet. I would talk to obviously people who knew me, but I didn't like people seeing me talk to men who I was not familiar with. If I had no business talking to you, I didn't like to talk to you. And then you're the conceited one. You're the stuck up one. But it was because I was scared of how people would look at me. And let me tell you something. I don't know if this isn't in the civilian world. You guys experience this. But in the military, like women are fucking harsh to younger females. Those women that have been around for a while, some of them are freaking harsh. And I didn't understand it. Women were mean they were meaner than the men. They were more, they were callous when they spoke to you. And I never understood it. And now that I've been in for 14 years, I, I understand it because um, it's almost similar to Mexicans, Mexicanos, or Latinos in order to be accepted. Women have done that for centuries. We have assimilated and we have conformed, whether it's to society, whether it's to social groups, in order to have a seat at the table. And it's sad because I don't think that they did it intentionally. I really don't. I think that every time that they climb that ladder to break that glass ceiling, women have lost a little bit of themselves in the military. Anyway, they've always had to give a little piece of themselves in order to pave the road for us for someone like me. Um, not all, but some of them felt like they had to. And, and I don't blame them for that because I didn't experience what they experienced, but it made them worse than the men because it was almost like that was how you fit in. How do you treat the other women? What do you think about pregnant females in the military? And they were probably the ones that were the meanest, the harshest, the cruelest. It, it was because of that. And they just wanted to be accepted by their male counterparts. And I'm not justifying it because I fucking hate it. But I think that some of them felt like that was the only way, at least before back in the day. Now the military is very different than when I joined 14 years ago. But when I was coming up, it was still pretty rough. And it still can be pretty rough now. I, I didn't want to be looked at in, in that way. And that was a stereotype that I had to, I felt like I had to overcome. Because it mattered to me how people saw me and what people thought. Because I wanted to succeed in the military. And it was really hard. It was really hard. My husband and I, we got married while I was on board that ship. And in my third year of being on board, I had a four-year four year orders to that ship. My third year of being on board the ship, I got pregnant. Now... Women in the military, particularly sailors who are attached to ships, have been stigmatized for having children while they're on orders to ships. Because if you get pregnant while you're attached to a ship, you have to get removed from the ship. And now somebody has to fill your job. And sometimes it can create a gap in, in work. And your peers will then have to fill that that productivity gap, if you want to call it. And it's mission essential to have all jobs filled, especially when you're going out to sea. So I get the importance of having a full crew, 
But I think that at least when I got pregnant, it was horrible because one, I was terrified of telling anyone, but I knew that I couldn't stay on board the ship because the ships are dangerous. Like the labor as an engineer is very, very tough, like very difficult, very labor intensive. And I knew that if I wanted to keep my baby safe, that I needed to tell my supervisors and I needed to tell them quickly. And so I did. My immediate supervisor is really nice. And he was like, yay, high five. He knew that I was married. Only like very close people to me knew that I was married. I didn't even wear a ring, mostly because I was an electrician and metal. That's stupid. <laughs> so I didn't wear a ring and I was an engineer. And I'm going to get my finger ripped off doing some maintenance work or something. So I didn't wear a ring. I didn't tell anybody anything because nobody knew anything about me. So the people who did know that I was pregnant were the people who knew that I was married. So they knew that I was pregnant with my husband's baby. But when we were at a morning meeting, which we call quarters, we're having our morning meeting one day with the entire engineering division, which was like, like I said, all 200 people. So we're all on the main hangar bay and it's just a ton of people. And we're just there and lined up quietly in quarters. And my friend comes up, she runs up and she hugs me. And she's like, I heard the news. Congratulations. I can't believe you're having a baby. And I wasn't trying to be secretive about it. I just didn't, I wasn't sharing it. Like I wasn't going around telling everybody that I was pregnant, but I also didn't tell the people who knew not to say anything like at that point once I shared it with them I expect that it would spread like wildfire because people would be upset with me but when she said it there was a woman who was much higher ranking than both of us but she was an enlisted woman she jumped in first of all she was always extremely rude to me she always treated me like crap she was one of those really harsh women where it's like if it wasn't my hair, if it wasn't my nails, if it wasn't, it was always something. And I didn't even, I could never understand what she had against me, but she chimes in, which immediately was upsetting because I don't know you. I don't like you. You don't like me. Why are you chiming into this conversation? But again, I was 22. I wasn't going to actually say that. (laughs) So she chimes in and she's, whose baby is it? And she said it so loud that it felt like all 200 people suddenly went quiet. And she was like, because I know there's no baby daddy, like, actually attached to you. So whose baby is it? And she started looking around, pointing to the dudes that were standing there. I, I felt myself getting nauseous because I felt suddenly like that giant ass hangar bay just gets so small the air was sucked out of the room and I felt myself just get really hot and my friend was like what the hell is wrong with you she's married it's her husband's and then suddenly the quiet just ended and everything resumed at least that's how it happened in my mind if you can picture it was like suddenly just everything went silent and then until my friend chimed in and everybody continued to their conversations because it was no longer a thing they needed to pay attention to But I was so infuriated because who the hell asks that? Who says that? Whose business is it when somebody says that they're pregnant and you don't know that person? Whose business is it 
to you who the father of the child is or start making assumptions about the father of the child. Like she immediately assumed I was this little slutty person and that I had been sleeping around and probably didn't know who the father of my baby was. And I couldn't say anything. And I hate myself for it. I hate myself for it because I, I couldn't say anything at that moment. And I, I wish I would have stood up for myself. Other people heard it. I wish somebody would have stood up for me. My friend said that, but I think she just said it to get people back on track because she realized the fucking air was sucked out of the room also. And then the master chief came in and then everybody stood at attention and we just listened quietly for 45 minutes while he talked to us. And the entire time I was just, I just wanted to be swallowed up by the ground. I just wanted to disappear. And I wondered if women in the civilian world, in the real world, outside of the Navy, if you experience that. Because I imagine you do. You must, right? This isn't, like I said, an issue that just plagues the military. This is an issue that plagues everybody. How did you overcome that? For me, I had to leave the ship. And I can tell you that the day that I left that ship, you have to do a kind of like a, what what, what do you guys call it in the civilian world? An appraisal, like a performance appraisal. So we do the same thing when we leave, like when you leave a job, they give you a performance appraisal to take into your record so that other people know what kind of worker you are. My performance appraisal was awesome, like highest appraisal that I could ever ask for because I was a really good worker. I was a really good technician. I was a good troubleshooter. I was good at my job. Okay. And they had nothing negative to say. They couldn't, even if they wanted to. There was nothing that anybody could say negatively about my professionalism or my work ethic or my job performance. So my appraisal was like awesome. But the guy who was signing my appraisal, a man, he also an officer, very educated man who has been serving for a very long time and had to work really hard to get to the position that he was sitting in. He looked at me and he handed it back to me as soon as he signed it. And he said, I hope you know you just ruined your career. It's fucking sad. And he threw the paper across the desk at me. And I looked at my supervisor who was standing in the room because I wanted to cry. And I think I wanted him to say something. And he just looked shocked, but he didn't say anything. That wasn't his battle that he was about to take on because this man could, I don't know, crush us like bugs (laughs) just by the mere, his positional authority. And I walked out of there in tears and I decided that I was going to get out. I was like, I don't want any fucking part of this organization. This is absolute bullshit. Like I'm starting a family. This is supposed to be the happiest, you know, time of my life with a man that I love and loves me back. And this is fucking bullshit. And I will say that how I overcame it, well, I didn't get out of the military because life had other plans. But the way that I was treated my entire pregnancy, not that was just when I found out I was pregnant. My entire pregnancy was a freaking nightmare. Being pregnant in the military is fucking awful. And I imagine that it's even worse when you're in the Marine Corps, when you're in the Army, because those branches are just not friendly to women. They're just not. And 
it was really ugly, my first pregnancy. And so by the time I got pregnant with my second son, I had been in the military for six years. And I was still relatively young. I was 25 years old. But I was more educated on Navy policy, Navy regulations. I was more assertive. And I did the research. When I found out I was pregnant, I did all the research. When I notified my command that I was pregnant, I didn't just notify them that I was pregnant. I said, here's my notification that I'm pregnant. This is how far along I am. Here's my allowance request for extra you know, maternity uniforms. Here is a calendar where I'm going to create all of my maternity appointments. Here is when I'm going to switch to 40-hour work weeks as per Navy policy because that is what is required when you hit 40 weeks of pregnancy. And this is going to be my schedule. And it wasn't and it was no longer hey, so I'm sort of pregnant and can you guys help me figure things out? No. How did I overcome being treated this way as a woman? is I made damn sure that I was educated in the process so that nobody could ever take advantage of me again because nobody fucking stood up for me. And I make it a point after 14 years and having sailors who go through pregnancies under my care, I make it a point that when they tell me that they're pregnant because they're terrified, they're always terrified. And they they have to tell me, When they tell me, one is that I put them at ease, that it's okay, that I congratulate them like you should be, that I assure them that they should be happy, that this is a happy moment. And then I print off all the instructions for them. I print off the policies. I print off the instructions. I print off the regulations. And I highlight for them and I show them where what they need to read and what they need to be educated on. Because as women, this is what we need to do. I don't ever want somebody to go through what I went through. And I didn't go through my second pregnancy. The maternity leave was only six weeks still. And I can tell you six weeks is not enough to recover physically or emotionally to detach from your child. But by the third pregnancy, which was my last pregnancy, and now I have a four-year-old, I was professional. There was nobody that was going to tell me what I was entitled or was not entitled to, okay? I took every single day of rest that I needed to bond with my baby. And I did the same for my sailors because that's how you get ahead as a woman. You have to support each other. You have to educate yourselves. If the thing that they use is policy against you, then you need to educate yourself on policy. And if the policy doesn't match, then you need to rewrite the damn policy. And it's hard. It's really hard. And it sucks because if you're the first one, you're the trailblazer, you have to deal with all the shit. And sometimes you can go one of two ways. You're either going to deal with all the BS And you're going to make a decision that nobody's ever going to have to go through that because you're going to make sure that that doesn't happen. Or you're going to deal with all the BS and you're going to become jaded and you're going to become hurt. And you're going to hope that everybody goes through the shit that you went through so that they could sympathize. And honey, that is not the way to do it. So I hope that 
these stereotypes, these biases, when you guys see this shit in the real world, civilian, military, or otherwise, when you guys see this, when you experience this, it's okay to feel like shit (laughs) because it makes you feel like crap. But I hope that you don't do what I did. I hope that you find your voice and I hope that you speak up for yourself or someone else. Don't be a fucking bystander, okay? Just think how would you feel if you were in that person's shoes? I know that I have some male listeners. How would you feel if that was you? You're not female raised with the female experience, but you know what? You have a mother. You probably have sisters. How would you how would you feel if you saw them get treated in that way? Would it anger you? Would it upset you? Ladies, how would you feel if that was you? Or if it was you, how did you deal with it? And don't don't come up here saying like, oh, I would have cussed everybody out. I would have that's not dealing with it. That's you reacting. How did you fix it? Okay? Because I reacted too. I cried. <laughs> But now, I probably wouldn't cry if somebody said something out of turn. Uh, I'm pretty sure I wouldn't. Maybe I'd cry because I'd be angry and that's my weakness. But yeah, biases, stereotypes. Like this is the kind of stuff that we have to deal with as women in our fields, in sometimes even with our friends. And it's sad. It's really sad that this is the way we've been brought up or people have been brought up. But hey, it's up to us to fix it. So I'll leave you guys with that. I think I've rambled on for long enough and you got to hear some more stories about me. But I hope that you are enjoying the podcast, that you're enjoying the episodes that I'm putting out and the discussions that I'm having by myself. Feel free to write me. If you want to be a guest on the show and you want to talk about some of these issues or you have experiences of your own that you want to share, please let me know. I want to hear from you guys. Feel free to email me, message me on Instagram. Let me know what you want to talk about. Do you have any thoughts on this issue? Any experiences you'd like me to share? Yeah, let's connect. And that concludes today's episode. I really appreciate you guys for sticking it out. I know this was a long one. (laughs) If you haven't already, subscribe to the show so that you can stay on top of all of the episode releases, which, by the way, are going to be every, every Tuesday, weekly. Please go ahead and do just hit the subscribe button below. Review the show on whatever platform you listen to us. It, again, helps with visibility. I really appreciate it. You have been amazing so far. And follow us on Instagram at Chingonas Only Club, which is where I'm most active. I also have a Twitter and a Facebook page. And if you guys are listening to the show, hey, screenshot it and tag me on Instagram so that I can see that you guys are are listening and tell me what you think give me some feedback it's never a bother or anything like that so don't hesitate to just reach out with that i hope you guys all have a wonderful rest of your day keep being kind to one another and that's it adios